podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Alright folks, um, welcome to Ammo and Danny's Irish Alfield Road. Well, it's been a hectic week of football. Um, what are we on now? This episode four of season two. It is, I'm, I'm yeah. mixed up with my numbers, yes. We've had two games since we last spoke, Danny, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had you know, two clashes against Arsenal. We've had the Champions League draw and we've obviously got a game in Villa coming up. So on today's episode, um, we're going to review the Arsenal game in the league. The Arsenal game in the Cup, not that there's much to review in that, but that's another story. Um, the Villa game coming up on Sunday and uh, obviously the Champions League draw. But before we do all that, um, how's your week been, Danny? I know last week we spoke, you were actually in Liverpool um, and a lot's changed in the last week. It seems like uh, as time goes on, you don't know what's coming from one week to the next in the, the modern day society that we live in. But um, how was your trip to Liverpool and how are you? Yeah, it was good, thank you, man. Yeah, it was nice, nice to be over there, nice to be able to see everyone again, and just to be able to, like, you miss it. I think you, you when you're living over in, over here, over in sort of Northern Ireland, you think to yourself, oh, well, I don't really miss it too much. I enjoyed the life that I've got, because you sort of, you get used to things, don't you? But you go back and see that skyline as you're coming in on the boat, and you're like, you just feel like you're back home again. Um, but it was nice <laughs> to go, it was nice to see my family. Very strange, obviously anyone listening over there at the minute will know how strange it is in terms of the restrictions over there and police spot-checking people for masks and finding people and stuff like that. And it's just, we just live in a very strange time at the minute, don't we? So I suppose no matter where you go, it's going to be weird. And when that's going to end, who knows? Um, but apart from that, yeah, it's been busy enough week, just working away. Got a false tooth fitted this week, getting old. Um, like a gap in my, in my tooth, so I wanted to get it filled. So I've got a new tooth put in on Tuesday, so I've been getting used to only eating on one side of my face. That's how exciting my life gets. Uh, what about you? <laughs> I, no, I've actually um, I've actually moved into a new place, so I've been kind of flat out kind of getting that stuff. Lots of friends have been helping me, so that, that was been great. Uh, but I just, just a wee side note before we kind of go into the football. It's funny that you mention, because um, a lot of people might not know this, but um, you can get the boat from Liverpool to Ireland, Northern Ireland and back. It goes from Belfast to Birkenhead. Um and the first thing you see when you get over to Liverpool is the Liverpool skyline. And it's so funny, like every single time I go to Liverpool and I get the boat, I just want to take a thousand pictures of the Liverpool skyline. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I've been doing it for years and years and years now. We've both been over a long time. And every time I do it, I get pictures of the skyline. I put them on social media and everyone's all like, it's class. But at some stage, I'm sure people are going to be like, do you know what? Like, we've seen the skyline enough now. Like, you know, I'm out seriously. Like, you know, we, we get that you like it, but like, stop going on. And it's funny, <laughs> like, you went over and that's the first thing you done. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just something about the Liverpool skyline that is just, I mean, okay, it's not New York City, but for me, um, it's just it's just amazing. So, yeah, um, I personally um, miss Liverpool, um, and yeah, the times are very different. Um, it's probably why our neighbours um, across the park there are actually doing so well, because they've got no fans to, to bear them down, but that's <laughs> another story for another day. But anyway, let, let's, start, let's dive in straight away to these, these fixtures here, Danny. So, so, we played Arsenal twice. We'll, we'll mention the game in the league first. A three-one victory for Liverpool. Um, we obviously went behind, which was you know a bit gutting at the time. But our response uh, was was great. Um, obviously, it was a mistake from Robinson, which kind of you know it started off kind of good for Arsenal. And Arsenal are a much improved team, like we said this you know, in the preview. Um, so, give me your analysis of that game, Danny. How, how do you think it went, and who was you impressed with? And um, yeah, tell me your thoughts on that game. Yeah, it was, a, it was a dominant game, I thought. I thought, yes, we made a few mistakes and yes, we looked a little bit ropey at times, but I think generally we controlled the game really well, which is what we wanted. Um, we looked solid. I thought we passed the ball around really well. Uh, we looked threatening on the attack. I thought I thought Mane looked really good. I thought Salah looked really good. Um, so I thought generally it always looked like we could step it up if we needed to. And I thought that, that's what I thought of it. Um, I think I predicted 3-1, I think. On the last episode, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to look back on that. Did you not, have, did you not say 4-2? I think. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it was tight. Um, but I predicted a goal. I predicted goals. And um, and goals came, which was good. Which is what we wanted. Um, I generally thought we could have had more as well. Obviously, the big talking point of that game was the cross came in. 
Jota to get his foot on it and to get his first goal and Salah shockingly tried to take it off him, <laughs> like while the ball was actually behind him uh, and obviously that's been a big talking point throughout the week uh, leading up to this second game so it's been it was an interesting game and obviously Salah like we all know Salah wants to get goals and he didn't get a goal in that game he was dying to get one the week before and against Chelsea he didn't get one Mane was on fire that game and I think Salah's wanting to he wants to get goals and that's what we want out of strikers. We want them to yeah. be pushing themselves to be able to get 20, 30 goals a season um, but sometimes that selfishness comes out a little bit. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because it, it was his shot that, you know, led to equaliser for Money tapping in. Yeah. So, he, like, in well, that first initial shot that he had and the keeper saved it and pirated it into, you know, Money, I thought that was brilliant play because it's just what you want, directness, ball, right, boom, got the shot away and if you can't score, test the keeper. Yeah, and obviously Mane scored afterwards, so I was happy enough with that. Um, but yeah, that was ridiculous at the end. Um, can't say I've not done that in the past myself, though. I mean, <laughs> we, we have this ongoing joke, don't we, Danny, about you being a defender, me being a striker. And would I do the same as what Salah done there? I have. I'm not going to lie. And have I done that and then scuffed it? And it's went over the bar and you've got like five people screaming at you, like, why on earth did you do that? You know what I mean? And then you, you, you feel like just sinking into a hole, you know what I mean? But then when, when, when you get over that, that feeling, you're like, well, I don't care. That's that's the that's, that's kind of the strike inside you, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. Um. I think there was good good statistics, you know, for us, you know, passing the ball about. And did you see? Um. Did you see that we kind of? I won't say heated discussion, but let's say comments made by Klopp to Keane on Sky. Did you see that? Yes, I did. It was uh, <laughs> It was quite was amusing. Sloppy. Like, what was sloppy about that? Because you must be watching a different game. <laughs> and it was so funny because Keane is such a, a dry character and he's the type of character that you don't really want to mess with. And it was just, it was really interesting to watch him be put in a box and for him to start backtracking. And for him to be like, oh, well, well I, didn't, I didn't actually say that. What I said. And you can see him starting to panic a bit because he wasn't expecting to be called out in the way that he was. <laughs> it's funny because we'll have a... It, 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 what, one of the weird things about living in Ireland, Northern Ireland... Um, and I'll speak for kind of the, the green side of of, of the of the, um, of the country here when I say this. There's so many Liverpool fans that are massive Republic of Ireland fans, and they, they think Roy Keane's the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. But they're also Liverpool fans, which is awkward because you always associate Roy Keane with United, and it's a bit of an awkward one type of thing. It's like the Gerard and Rangers thing sometimes. It gets a bit muddled up with people and stuff. But it's funny because like you've got people sitting there being like, "Oh well, I love Jurgen Klopp," but then I love Roy Keane too. And it's like yeah. they're arguing, and it's kind of like it, it was kind of funny, you know what I mean? But yeah, no, it was it was interesting to see him backtrack, um, and yeah. But I just what I'll tell a little story about Jurgen Klopp, folks, just sat on the side now for a couple of minutes. Um, my friend works in, in, a, in a big retailer in Liverpool. Um, in fact, I don't think I can mention it, can I? Tesco on Allerton Road. Oh yeah. And um, Jurgen Klopp when he first joined Liverpool, he, he went to do his shopping there, and my friend seen him. He's in his work uniform. And he asked Jürgen Klopp for a picture. And Jürgen Klopp got the picture with him. But he said, this is what my friend said, he said, he wasn't happy that I asked him for a picture when I was in the workplace. He he, he made a mumbling to another member of staff about how you should be professional. And he, he said to me, and he always says this, you've seen that side of Klopp, that's not like this nice guy that you that, that the media kind of portrays and that you see him on camera. So um, I would say, to be a top, without going too much into it, to be a top-class manager, and he really is at the moment, in my opinion, the best in the world. Um, you've got to have that, like, you know, that, I don't know what word to use, but, you know, that edge. You can't just be yeah. Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. You know, um, you've got to have that ruthlessness, really, haven't you, like? Yeah, and he's, he's got to make tight decisions, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I, I've got another wee side question here, Danny, kind of coming to the front three. So, for me, he wasn't scored this season. Salah and Manny have both. But I think we can both agree in the last maybe 12 months that Manny's been better than Salah. Yeah. But Klopp always seems to favour Salah. Like, kind of, yeah. Salah's the pen taker. Salah kind of comes off less. Salah kind of, um, like, for instance, he started that League Cup game. Do you think that it's clever management by Klopp? Like, Klopp kind of makes Salah his main man, knowing that Manny's that nice of a guy, that no matter what, Manny's going to kind of, because he's that nice of a guy deep down and he's not as greedy as, say, Salah, he's going to perform. But the only way to make Salah perform and keep performance these standards is because he makes kind of Salah his main guy am, am I making sense in the question that I'm kind of saying to you Danny yeah I know it's you mean clever management yeah and I think one of the things that obviously you learn being more and more in management and I don't know if you've got to see like the Tottenham documentary that's on Amazon at the minute oh uh, 
amazing. I've watched them all. Really, really good. Obviously, I watched the one with City a couple of years ago and then the one with Spurs at the minute. And one of the things that you see within management, it's all about personalities, isn't it? And it's all about knowing your personality, knowing who suits your system. Like, as I said, it's, and there is that little bit of, as you said, with Jürgen Klopp there, there's that little bit of you've got to be a bit ruthless as well. That, like, Danny Rose comes in as one conversation with Jose Mourinho and he's like, see you later, boots him out of the team. Yeah. Dali Ali's yeah. going the same way because he's not training as hard as what Mourinho yeah. like. And I think Klopp, for me, he reads personalities really well. And I think, I think he's doing well in terms of Mane and Salah. The reality is, is that if Klopp wasn't managing it well, Mane would have went this summer because every team in the world wants Mane at the minute. And if he decides yeah. he wants yeah. to go, he'll go. And that's, that's the be-all and end-all of it. But he's not. He's sticking around because I think Klopp manages him well. And I think what you see with Salah and Mane, when you, even you see it a little bit on the pitch, is that Salah thrives off being loved and admiration. And if people think that he's great and people love him, then he plays really well and he plays with sort of happiness. Where Mane thrives off competition, as we said last week, the second we've had a new striker come in, even when Van Dijk and Allison came in, Mane ups his game constantly. And I think Klopp kind of feeds off that a little bit. That he's like, oh, I'm going to keep Salah. If, if Mane has a little bit of a bad game, a little bit of an off game, it's like, oh, I'm going to keep Salah on. I'm going to take you off. Because Mane will turn around and go, right, well, next week I'm going to absolutely smash it to prove to you that I need to be on this pitch. Where I think Salah would take a little bit of a huff and he'd go and sit on the side. So I think Klopp kind of wraps him a little bit more in cotton wool. And I think it is all personal <laughs> management. Well, it was interesting as well because he, um, he brought he brought Manny off for the last ten minutes and he, he didn't look happy. Give him like a hug and all, and there was a bit of a discussion. Yeah. And obviously, Jota, come on. So we were discussing this about Jota. You know, who's the guy that's going to? You, you, I think you quite eloquently put it the other week. Who's the guy that's going to be be happy enough sitting on the bench, but can actually put pressure on the front three and not just going to be a bench player? And he said, Jota's the man. And he's just come off the bench. Okay, he was that little bit of a. Let's say mix-up between Salah and Jota. Let's yeah. not say anything more than that. <laughs> but then Jota got that, that, that decisive goal to kind of win, to, to see the game off. You know, because yeah. a 2-1, um, was it Lacazette was through? Yeah. And it was not side one, it was one that was on side, and like, it was a good save from Allison. So Jota kind of finished the game off. So what, what, what do you think of his, his impact on Liverpool so far? And do you think, do you think he'll challenge the front three? And do you think... Um, do you think he's a good addition to the squad? I mean, it was a good finish. I'll tell you that for nothing. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that like, we'll go on to it more when we talk about this second Arsenal game. But I think in that first Arsenal game, he came on and he controlled the play really, really well. He was fast. He was intense. One of the things you notice when Minamino and Origi come on, it's no offence to them, but when they come on, they get the ball. They're looking to make the quick pass. It's almost like one-two. Just sort of get the ball, get it away from me, keep the play going, pass it to, pass it to the main players, if you know what I mean. Jota wasn't. He was like, I'm going to take this ball, I'm going to do something with it. And he had confidence in himself, which is what you want. If you want to challenge that front three, you've got to come in there and believe that you can be in that front three. Uh, and I think Jota did that in that Arsenal game. He came on, and yes, it was 2-1. The game was, we were dominating it in a massive way. So to a certain extent, it was almost game over, though we did need the extra goal. Um, and he came on and he expressed himself. And he was like, I'm going to come on, I'm going to do what I do. And I'm going to play the way that I played when I was playing at Wolves. Um, so I think he will be a good challenge. He played, and I hope he carries on like that, he played in the way that I hoped Shaqiri would play when he came into Liverpool. That sort yeah. of confidence, arrogance to a certain extent of, I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to do what I do and I don't care about any of you, um, which, is, which is what Jota's done, which is good. Yeah, well... I think we can quite safely say the game planned out kind of how most people expected. We were due on over in Arsenal um, after you know, the beating us in the um, Charter Shield and stuff. And um, it's just good to get off to a great start in the league because obviously City got beat there last week and you know other teams are flying. So um, in my opinion, professional performance, we did the job. Um, in part, it was outstanding. You know, um, I think Klopp used the word phenomenal. Now, I don't know if it was a phenomenal performance, but it was in my, in my eyes, it was a, it was a good performance. Yeah. So, um, and I, it's not that long ago, people listening here will know, it's not that long ago, you know, Arsenal was slow in Liverpool. I remember the days of Omri and Perez and Bergkamp, you know, making making the likes of, you know, Risa look stupid and stuff. I remember them days, so, yeah, um, yeah. Well, be careful what you wish for type of thing. But anyway, so, it leads us on to the second Arsenal game, obviously, Carabao Cup. Um, 
it was different lineups. I thought there was a few main players kind of starting. Um, before I ask you a question on this, Danny, I'm just going to give my opinion because I, I, I put it quite openly out on social media. Yeah, and, I do. Um, and I, yeah, I have to just put this out there before I kind of get, get wrapped up all like I thought the game itself was really average, and that was probably being generous. Um, I don't think I think the two teams kind of cancelled each other out. I thought if there's a team that deserved to win was Liverpool, but you could say that more or less about every Liverpool performance. They always have more possession. Yeah. At the end of the day, having more possession doesn't win you football matches. You know, it's, it's what you do with that possession. Um, so yeah, different teams. Good to see players get a run out. But what was your, excuse me, what was your initial thoughts on the actual game? And are you are you that bothered that we're out? Um, or just you know, what what do you think? I think, I suppose, I suppose that's where we would differ slightly, is that for me, watching that game last night, I felt that Arsenal deserved to win it. Because Liverpool came out with their usual game plan of sort right. of high, high press, keep the possession. But we couldn't break through. We had no, like, it's, it's on Liverpool to create the flair. It's on Liverpool to create that magic moment where we break through the back line and score. Arsenal had a game plan and they stuck to it so rigidly. That, that they were impossible to break down. Those two lines of four that they had were just impossible for us to get through their lines. Um, so for me, they Arsenal probably had the better game plan. And I think one of the things that Arteta, I suppose you had to choose, and I think you'd be glad if, you, if he'd have went out in the in the cup and lost in the league, it'd have been fuming. But I think Arteta's biggest mistake over the two games um, was that he didn't play Gabriel in the league because Gabriel's a great defender for them. And to play David Luiz instead... I think is what cost them that game against Liverpool because David Luiz is too shaky. Um, so it's so it was an interesting one, but I think Arsenal stuck to the plan really rigidly. It was a boring game. Some of our players looked woeful for me. Um, Salah was non-existent on the pitch. I don't even remember hearing his name during the game at all. Um, I thought Milner. I thought Milner looked really tired. I don't know why, but like yeah, I was just about to say it. It's funny that you mentioned that. See Milner, I think when he comes in, does a job at left back. We know he's done a job at left back and right back before. But see, when you're, you're playing your strongest lineup, I think he can get away with that because he comes in and he does a job because you know he's the only one to do it. But I think, and this interesting to hear your thoughts on this being you know being a, le- a left footer player yourself, it does interrupt the balance of the team having a right foot at left back because he's always having to take the extra touch and come inside. So I've noticed even when we had to miss in the last you no know, in the last cup game, he. It keeps the balance, having a left foot. And I noticed that Robinson was on the bench. Um, and I know you've got to give Milner game time. He's a good influence around the dressing room and he's, he's getting on and stuff, stuff like that. But for me, in that particular game, Milner left back didn't work. I think because the team was changed that much. I think if you've got our strongest 11, bar the left back, and Milner's got to do a job at left back, I think that's okay because we make up for it, you know, with, with the, the strength and the experience of the rest of the players. But I think last night, it was just really apparent that like he kind of slowed the game down a little bit. And don't get me wrong, he, he worked hard and he did get a few crosses in. He's not scared to use his left foot and stuff. But the build-up play, does that make sense? Well, what's your thought on that? Because you're not a natural left-footed player, Danny. So if we're playing, say, in a football match and the ball comes out to you, you're controlling it with your left foot. And it's just a natural angle to kind of make the pass. When he's taking it on his right foot, it slows the play down. Do you, do you kind of agree with me when I say that? Yeah, I think it it really depends on the tactics of the team. And Liverpool play the tactics of get the ball out to the wingers, the wingers whip the ball in, or obviously the fullbacks in our case, the fullbacks whip the ball in in order for everybody to get in the box and to be able to get on the end of it. When you've got a right-footed player playing left-back, they can't do that because he's got to try and cut in in some way to be able to make that cross. Where Robertson, as you said, he takes it in the stride, he can whip it in. Uh, and there was a couple of times, there was a couple of floated balls came over behind the back line and Milner didn't quite get to them. And you were sitting there watching it going, Robertson's got to that. Because Milner's thinking in his head, I've got to try and get it, control it, turn on it, and then try and get it in with my right foot. Where Robertson is literally just take the touch, boot it in, or even first time over the top, just hit it first time straight into the box. And we watched it over the years. Real Madrid used to do it. Real Madrid used to play with Roberto Carlos playing on the right-hand side and different things like that. Um, and they'd done it because they had a style of play in which the fullbacks cut in to shoot. Because Roberto Carlos was. Roberto Carlos was getting in his heyday. He was 15, 20 goals a season from left-back or right-back. Um, yeah. And that's because they had the tactic of our fullbacks are to cut in and try and shoot. They weren't crosses. Yeah. The wingers were crosses. You had Beckham that he could lay it out to if Beckham was to whip in a ball. Um, so the tactics allowed for that to happen. Liverpool's tactics don't allow for 
wrong side at fullback because we play a crossing game where we have three in midfield and we rely on our fullbacks to do the whipping into the box. Um, so yeah, it didn't work. And between that and the fact that Milner, for me, he just looked really leggy. There was a couple of times, especially in the second half, he like looked like he didn't quite know whether he was going to make the pass or cross it, and then he fell over because he kind of got caught up yeah. in his own legs. And I just well, think he was tired. That's the thing. I think about Milner, he's, he's a fit boy, but he's not playing 90 minutes a lot these days, is he? He might play 90 minutes once in, in, in two months. Yeah. So I think he's going to have to be more like a, of an impact player these days, which I still think is a place in a squad for him. Don't get me wrong. I can't say that there isn't. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you who did impress me. One of the few players that did impress me uh, was Gruitz in centre midfield. Yeah. He's kind of been, if people forget this, he's actually Jürgen Klopp's first signing when he came in at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And he's been out on loan. I think he was out on loan in Germany. I think he was out on loan in the championship, maybe as well. Um, but he's come in, and like it's mad because you know you look at Thiago coming, which we'll, we'll touch on him having coronavirus in a while, which is a bit gutting. And we've got the likes of Fabinho, Henderson, Ronaldo, Milner. You know we've got plenty of midfielders. I'll probably miss people out. Oxley Chamberlain, but Gruitch has never really been mentioned as even the the possibility of like um, being in our team. But the, I was really impressed with his performances in the cup and again last night. What, what did you think of his performance, Danny? Yeah, I thought he was really good. I think there was three people that stood out for me in the game, and I think we should focus on the positives. Obviously, we've been knocked out of the cup. There's nothing we can do about that. Uh, as you said, whether people are gutted about it or what, I don't know. We've got fixtures coming thick and fast, so I'm sure Jürgen Klopp isn't gonna be, didn't lose any sleep about it last night. Um, but there was three players for me that really showed themselves. I thought Curtis Jones was going to really perform in that game, but it was almost, for me, it was almost like he tried too hard. Um but Gruwich, I thought, was really, really good. Uh, Adrian made some key saves in that game that I thought were really, really good. Um, that one sort of very Allison-esque, um, where I think it was Enketiah got the ball on the edge of our six-yard box, tried to take it round him, and he done that, sort of scooped it with his hand and got it out. Uh, he made a few just like really key saves like that. Uh, and I thought that Reese Williams at centre back really, yeah, many really, 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 yeah. Baby Van Dyke. <laughs> I know that we signed out to know um, folks on the podcast, but I thought, I'm very, I was very disappointed in um, Harry Wilson because I, 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 he's a player that I really like and I thought he's a player that could kind of find his way in Liverpool, you know, in Liverpool but there's been rumours of him being out on loan rumours and sell, selling him. He was at Bournemouth last season. He was all right in glimpses. Um, he was kind of a forgotten man and he got a start and he just didn't take it at all. They didn't take his chance at all. No, I felt a bit sorry for him, just in the sense that he was playing in a midfield three, where Harry Wilson generally plays in the role that Salah was playing in, um, sort of that front three on the right-hand side, to be able to whip balls in. And, and he's mainly a dead ball specialist, isn't he? He's, he's good with the free kicks, good with the corners. Um, and I think he was a little bit overrun in centre midfield. As I said, I think their lines, Arsenal's lines, you've got to give credit to them. Like Arsenal played yeah. a solid two bags of four and really just held their own. So it was really difficult for people like Wilson to be able to make an impact on the game. I said Gruwich was solid. He was really strong. He held the ball really well. He played his passes really well. Um, but yeah, I think Wilson struggled a bit. I think he could have done with getting a free kick or something. But then at the same time, he got the penalty and he missed it. So like, that's it. <laughs> Well, folks, well, that was that was kind of the preview of the two Arsenal games. Um, I think the second one won't go down in, in the history books as, as a memorable game. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you're right, we have to take the positives. And as I say, we've got we're still fight, uh, fighting on three fronts in the Premier League, the Champions League, and the FA Cup. Which in our second part, Danny will discuss, and we will um, he'll lead the discussion in the Champions League draw, and um, obviously um, the Aston Villa game coming up. So we're going to take a wee break. Thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's. Irish Anfield Road. Right, welcome back to Hamel and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, Sunday coming up, we've got another game going on. Managers are all kicking off the minute because they're playing games every sort of 48, 72 hours. Uh, we've got another game coming up on Sunday, quarter past seven at night, uh, against Aston Villa. The only time you're going to hear me say this uh, this season, but Liverpool obviously currently sitting near the top of the table. Uh, Aston Villa currently sitting in fourth, uh, which is quite surprising. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're going to be playing them. Obviously, loads of links just signed Ross Barkley Jordan the week. They've been heavily linked um, with Rian Brewster Jordan the week as well, though Rian Brewster looks like he's going to go to Sheffield United. Uh, and there's 
a random transfer talk about Tammy Abraham going on loan uh, to Villa, which is a strange one as well. Um, but I think that's because he's had a, a stint there before and basically he was part of the reason that Ross Barkley decided to go to Villa. Um, so yeah, so there's a bit of a bit of a talk about that as well. Um, how do you think the game's going to go? Obviously, Aston Villa have got a strong team. They've just improved themselves a little bit by signing Barkley. Uh, what do you make of Barkley? Because obviously we've seen him at Everton. We've seen him at Chelsea. What do you make of him and what do you think he's going to do to their team coming into players of the weekend? Well, um, um, Hello. Yep. Yeah. What, what can I say about Ross Barkley? Um, I actually played him a couple of times. Um, not to name drop, in Liverpool. Um, I would have been about eighteen, nineteen, and he was probably fifteen, sixteen. He used to sneak down from the Everton academy, and he trained with a team that I played with front line, which you played with. I don't think you ever played with him, but it was, he only trained a couple of times. I don't think he was not at the time he was at Everton, Everton's academy, and we've kind of seen him progress. He come through at Everton as like this. The next Wayne Rooney, the next big thing, um, and then he got his move to Chelsea, and I think he's done all right for Chelsea. He, you know, he scored that goal against Liverpool last season in the cup, didn't he? Which was gutter, and he run like the whole of the pitch more or less. Yeah, and he, he you know, blasted it past you know, Adrian. Um, that game you can't remember for Adrian's mistake, but that goal from Barthy was brilliant. And um, but I think he's just looked at it with the Euros coming up. Um, he'll play a filler, and obviously he knows Jack Gearus for the English setup and stuff. Um, the game itself, Danny, I think is going to be really difficult. Um, Aston Villa are much improved. They've built on last season. Um, they've obviously signed the goalkeeper Martinez as well um, from Arsenal. He was in, he was in, in net for Arsenal the last like six months of last year, and he was brilliant. Um, so he's he's a great keeper. Um, and then obviously you got the, the likes of Grealishers and Barkley. Like I think he's going to go straight in the team, and he'll be problems. And he's going to be piped piped up being a, a local Liverpool lad. And it's not like he's not played this season. He's made a few pages for Chelsea, so you know we should be match sharp and match ready. It's going to be a tight game. Um, for me, I would take any type of win. Um, again, it's like the whole. We're going to be saying this a lot this season, Danny, and we're going to kind of repeat ourselves. If Liverpool turn her on and they play the A game, and one of the front three turn up or a couple of the front three turn up, we'll win the game. It's that simple. It's proven. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But yeah. only takes maybe Salah to have an off day. Mane to not quite be up for it. Firmino, you know, kind of get marked out the game. Although it's very difficult to mark Firmino out the game, but you know what I'm trying to say. And before you know it, Villa, a team that I think this season are going to shock a lot of people. Um, they're just solid, aren't they? And um, like the manager, Dean Smith, and I've also got John Terry on the coach and stuff there. Like John Terry, you know, has been there, done it, wore the T-shirt. <clears throat> it looks like he's got that defence kind of sorted. Yeah. And when you've got the likes of Grealish and Barkley, they are match winners. Like, you know, however you want to, Look at it. We've got match winners, but so are they. Um, it's difficult Sunday evening. It, it, it's a bit of a, a quarter past seven kick off, did you say? Yeah, yeah, quarter past seven at night, last game of the day. Yeah, it's, it's weird, all these kickoff times, isn't it? It's going to be weird sitting there watching Liverpool on a Sunday evening. Um, you know, you, you're used to maybe a half four kickoff, which is quite random. But yeah, I think it'll be tight. And I think I'm, I'm probably going to predict probably like maybe a 2 0 victory. Um, it's hard to it's hard to preview these games because you just know in the Premier League, like even last night or the other night in the Arsenal game with the with the like much changed teams, pretty much every team's tactics against Liverpool now are like stick ten men behind the ball and frustrate us and we've got to play our way through them. <clears throat> and they they have had a good start to the season, so it's difficult. But I think yeah, probably two nil, two one. I'm kind of edging towards, but I just think as usual, one of our front field turn up and, and they'll win the game. Um, but yeah, the likes of Grealish's and Barclays will be up for it. Um, and yeah, Martinez and, and, and Nets is, is a fantastic keeper, so it'll be hard to beat. Um, what do you think, Danny? Yeah, I think Villa are coming into it in good form um, in the league. They haven't conceded a goal yet. Obviously beat Sheffield United 1-0 and then uh, won 3-0 against Fulham there last weekend. Um, so they haven't actually conceded a goal yet this season with their strongest lineup. I think Barkley will help them. I think it's easy enough to look and think, oh, Barkley, like... He's been sitting on the bench for ages for Chelsea. But as you said, he's a solid quality player, which is the thing with Barkley. And I think we all remember, I think nobody can turn around and say that like Danny Drinkwater wasn't a great player. But when it comes to Chelsea, they buy players so often and they're constantly looking for who's better than you in this, who's better than you in that, and constantly looking to be able to improve. And I think they've got 
a solid midfield at the minute with the likes of Mason Mount coming in, with the likes of Jorginho, with Pulisic coming back. All of these different players that are really solid players, I think Barkley is going to struggle. And I think he's made the right call to leave Chelsea when he has in order to be able to get his game time again. Um, because I don't think he's happy sitting on the bench. And I don't blame him because I think he is a starter for Villa. I think he will start every game. I think he'll be in there with McGinn. Uh, who again is a good midfielder and I think he'll really help strengthen them up um, so I think it'll be tight I think they have been working a lot on their defence because they were leaking goals something shocking last season um, yeah. I rate yeah. the Mings but as for the rest yeah. of them they, they were they were leaky like so I think they've been working on that and I think they'll be working on how they can subdue our front three so I think our midfield really need to be on the ball in this game that we need to dominate that midfield and be able to play decent passes we're going to get on to Thiago and, and how he's not playing in a minute. Um, but we need to be able to dominate that midfield. And I think if we can dominate the midfield, I think we can, we can beat the game. Um, so I'm going to go, weirdly enough, I'm going to go for a 2-1, 2-1 Liverpool. Same as me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I think I am. Because um, I think we will win, but I think the, the Villa have got goals in them. And I think they're coming into it with a lot of confidence at the minute. Um, so yeah, I can see there being a goal coming from Villa. Yeah, I think we will struggle, but I think we will get the goals to win it. Well, yeah, as I say, they do have a solid team. I do think they'll they'll have a game plan of sticking, you know, ten men behind the ball. They'll have a solid kind of down the middle with you know Martinez in goal, and then you've got Mings in the like, centre back, and then you've got Douglas Luiz in centre midfield, who's I think an underrated player. And then you, you mention the likes of Grealishers and, and Barclays, and we haven't even mentioned Trezeguet, who I think is a bit of a. I think he scored against us last season. He's a bit of a tricky customer as well. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you hear the name Trezeguet, you just think of the old classic Trezeguet, don't you? Yeah, the Trezeguet from the back of the day. The Trezeguet, <laughs> the 90s, us growing up, you know. But he is a tricky customer, and he seems to always want to switch on against the big clubs, I've noticed. Anytime I've seen Villa, it's always seems to be against the big club, and you see the, the players always do that. It's like any all these teams, the likes of, you know, your clubs that have got potential but aren't quite there, the likes of Aston Villas and Everton's, you always see them raise the game against Liverpool. And this yeah. is what you're dealing with now. We're the champions. It's like, you know, okay, we, we're not more four hundred percent against Newcastle and, and and you know West Brom. But when it comes to Liverpool, rest assured, they know the sky cameras are there. They know everyone's watching Liverpool. They know everyone wants us to, to get beat. So they will just raise that game up, and that's kind of how it works. It doesn't kind of work like that for your Arsenal's and your Chelsea's and United's because they think of themselves they're bigger league teams anyway. But the teams like your Villas. You know, they're not really expected to do anything, so they always raise the game, and that's that's a difficulty that you're facing. You know, that these teams are always going to be 100% against Liverpool because they they want that scalp, as where you, you know, Liverpool are going to make sure that they're 100%, and hopefully, you've got two teams going 100%, the quality shines shine through. That's that's hopefully and normally how it works out, but I wouldn't be one bit shocked if it was like a, a tight draw because you know, they are that type of team. Um, but yeah, you make an interesting point about Tyrone Mings as well, he's a solid, solid player. Um, but Sutton's telling me that like he's what he's twenty four, twenty five. If he was that good, would he would he have not been scoped out by a City or Liverpool, or would he have made it? Chelsea was that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's originally Chelsea. Yeah, would he have made a Chelsea? You know that type of. If there's got to be a reason why he never made it, a Chelsea, you know, there's there's got to be like something in his armour that hasn't quite cut it. You know, um, so they are to be got up, but they have got a solid, a solid, um, a solid spine of the team, shall we say? And yeah. I just think Martinez, if, if, if we didn't have Alisson, it would be the keeper that I would sign for Liverpool because he's just, the times I've seen him for Arsenal, he just looks so cool, calm and collected. And um, I think it'll be tough to beat him. But yeah, um, very rare that we both agree, Danny. 2-1, hey? Very rare. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And as you said, I think that's a very good point for, for the season as a whole because I think people are just expecting Liverpool to come in and railroad it like they did last year. And yes, we have been really solid up to now. But you've got to remember, in especially these lower league, lower league games, and say these lower table games, I feel bad saying that because Aston Villa could be sitting fourth, they're doing really well. And there's no easy game in the Premier League. But with games like this, where you're expected to win, there's a different mindset now on these games. This isn't the type of league this season where it's like, oh, Liverpool are going in and they're hoping to win, they're hoping to get something out of this game, they should be able to perform really well. The onus is on Liverpool every single game to beat the other team. Teams aren't going in thinking, how can we beat Liverpool like they were last season? Going in, going, oh, Liverpool are a good team. How can we break them down? How can we beat them? Every game Liverpool are going into, the teams are going, 
come at us. Come at us. It's your it's your job to break us down. It's not our job to win. That every team now is seen as the underdog going in against Liverpool. So they're all like, if we get a point, if we get an upset, then that's great. We've done really well in this game. The onus is on you to break us down now. And I think that's a horrible mindset to go in as a Liverpool player. That you're going into every single game expected to win, expected to defend this title to a certain extent, and to to do so well. And I think it gives you an insight into the likes of City when they've done it two seasons on the bounce, like the the mental strength it takes to be able to do that um, is ridiculous. Going in with that mindset, so it'll be interesting to see to see how Liverpool cope throughout the rest of the season. And also, I think games like this, yes, we've played Arsenal, we've dominated. Yes, we've played Chelsea, we've dominated. Against those teams that do still feel that they can break us down, how are we going to do against these teams that are going to sit back in two bags of four or whatever and say, come at us, let's see what you can do. But have, have we got it to make those key passes to do it? It almost at times it suits us for our counter-pressing, like kind of sometimes a team coming on to us a little bit. And I like to see Villas are going to sit behind. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But as I say, yeah, um, I think we're going to have to cope with that all season. It's a sign of great teams. You know, people always say, so Liverpool won this league, they won the Champions League, and people always go about Liverpool being a great side. All right, so we are a great side and we've won cups now. So no matter what the history's been made, you can't take it away, we've done it, blah, blah, blah. But to be a great team in history, We've got to repetitively do it. If you think of these great teams over the years, your Barcelona teams, your United teams, even Liverpool at the 80s mm. and 70s, you've got to realise that they've done it with all that pressure and teams knowing that. So this is where we really can be really history makers. And I say we've got to get to, if we don't get silver this season, it'll be seen as a, as a failure. As where years gone by, if you got a, a point away at Villa and you got top four, it was, it, was, it was a good point and it was a good season. So this is the time to change. So we're very, very lucky, you know, and this kind of leads us on to our, kind of our next subject. I don't like the Champions League, which is quite, you know, the draw made it there was quite, you know, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we made our draw against Champions League. Did you watch Did you watch it? I didn't watch it, no, Danny, but obviously I wasn't far behind seeing the, uh, seeing the teams that we got. I watched it. I, um, I watched it because I thought to myself, it came up on the calendar and I thought, oh, I'll watch it, see what it's like. Tell you what, it's, Proper boring. Um, like the amount of different stuff they have to do. Um, yeah, it's just so... It, it lasts ages as well. It was on for like two and a half hours like, to do this draw. Um, and they do all these... <laughs> if, one, of the, one of the good things about it, just as a very random side note, one of the good things about it is that they're doing the, obviously, UEFA Player of the Year. And I think it's a, it's a good, positive step forward that the UEFA Player of the Year is also the men's player of the year and the women's player of the year, which they've done for the first time this season. Um, and I think women's football is coming on quite a lot and it's coming on quite strong. And maybe I'm just maybe pushing this a little bit because I have a daughter who's into football and you want her to have these positive role models in football that you, that she can watch and she can enjoy. And it's not just about, oh, well, you've got to watch the men to watch good football. Women's football has come on really well and it's good to that they're showing that and they're putting them in the same category not having these random award shows for the women's football which which nobody ever watched uh, it's good that it's all been put on the same platform so it was nice to see that yeah I have to agree I, I didn't watch it but that's good to hear that and just as a dead quick side note before we discuss kind of Champions League draw um, we have actually contacted uh, Liverpool Football Club ourselves last season and before kind of lockdown and restrictions we were actually told that we could have a potential pass to uh to a Liverpool FC game, um, the women's game. So, if that happens after after kind of lockdown and after all this COVID uh, stuff, then uh, we will. I think it'll be great for one of us to go and do a match day report on a women's game, maybe interview a few players. So, um, we are a Liverpool Football Club podcast, and the women's team is part of that. So, hundred um, percent. If, if there's any ladies listening out there, we often forgot you, and we will be doing something about that um, sometime soon, hopefully. So, yeah, um, good to see. The women getting the spotlight that they deserve, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, obviously, after all these awards took place and all these random things and DDA Drug were getting an award, even though no one's seen them for about 10 years, um, they then on the Champions League group stage draw. So we got, obviously, put into Group D uh, and we've been put up against Ajax, Atlanta and FC, I can't pronounce your name. Um, Michelin. <laughs> that's, yeah, something like that. Mich- um, Michelin, is it? So it's um so yeah, so that's our group. Now what do you make of the group? I know we put it up on our Facebook page and stuff, um, but what do you make of 
our group. Is it a bit of a banana skin group in terms of us going in? Uh, FC Michelin, the sort of team that no one's seen play in the Champions League before. Ajax are well known. Um, is it a team that we should be dominating or is it potentially a bit of a banana skin group? I keep seeing everyone saying it's a formality. No way in a million years it's a formality. I, and, 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 and do you know what? The stadium's empty, so you know, atmosphere doesn't come into it no more. So yeah. no way this season's gonna be a bit different. You've seen it in the Carabao Cup and stuff. Um no, this 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 group is not a formality whatsoever. I asked when the Champions League final or semi final two years ago. Some some t- okay, they've sold a few players, but they've still got a lot of them left. So I are no gimme whatsoever. Um Atalanta, any Italian team, any team from Italy is always gonna be a, a you know, a potential banana skin. They they know how to defend. They know the, the, the cheeky little tactics. I can't say I'm an actual expert in Ajax or Atalanta, and definitely not FC Michelin. But I seem to remember FC Michelin playing United a few years ago, and I think they only won like one nil, two one or something. So this group is not a gimme whatsoever. And I think Liverpool, out, out of all the teams in Europe, are going to be one team that's going to struggle with the crowd because everyone knows a European night at Anfield is just like like nothing else. It's it, it's almost. It's almost beyond the sporting event. It's kind of yeah. like, a, um, I can't think of the word now it'll come to me, but you know, European night at Anfield is just something different in the air. And uh, it's it's because of the atmosphere and because it's the crowd. So bringing the likes of Ajax, and I don't, I don't know what the, what the dates of the fixtures, but you know, say we need need to be winning the game at Anfield and we're playing the likes of Ajaxes and there's no atmosphere. Like Ajax, I know for a fact Ajax is a team will be full of ballers. You know, everyone knows they're the greatest team in Holland and all the youth, the, the talent that's come from that team over the years is just unbelievable. So they're, they're going to land at Anfield with 11 talented players. Oh, it's just a fact. So an atmosphere is going to be a leveller. So no way is this group a gimme. Um, having said that, I think it would be a huge, huge disappointment if we didn't qualify. I'll say we are the number one seeds um, and we have got quality. And as I say, it's a case of just hopefully quality come available because we're all, we're all people in the stadium. I think the likes of the Champions League is, is a competition that's kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say be saturated saturated by kind of other competitions and not be as good because it's still the Champions League. But without the crowd, it's just almost, there's something about the way fans coming to you know, Anfield and then you see the Liverpool fans going away to stadiums, you know, we see them in the far corner, but they're still singing their heart out. Um, I think it's going to be difficult. Oh, having said that, I do think we'll qualify. But I see Atalanta is probably our toughest away fixture, to be honest with you. You know, Italian teams are, are tough teams. Um, and they, 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 they've, been flying. they've been flying in the Italian league. They beat, um, they beat Lazio there last week, 3-0. So yeah. um, it'd be a tough, tough, tough group, in my, in my opinion. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, I think that's the thing, is that I think sometimes you're looking for the big names. So I think it would have been a completely different subject if we'd have got into Milan instead of getting... Uh, Atalanta people have been like oh no got into Milan that's a really hard team because they know oh yeah they've got Lukaku so like they know a name of someone so you're generally finding all the sort of supporters that support the team but but don't watch football in general are thinking yeah are thinking Atalanta like easy game Atalanta have come into their season what's now and absolutely smashed it as you said they smashed Lazio last week week before and they beat Torino 4-2 like the scoring goals they, uh, they got top goal scorer in the Italian league last season, scored more goals than any other team in the division. But they're, they're a hard team to beat. And as you said, even just in general, Italian teams are hard teams to break down. Um, so I think that's yeah. going to be a hard one to play. Ajax uh, the same. Ajax generally, they've got such a good youth academy that even if we don't know the name of any of their players, it's irrelevant because Ajax developed yeah, yeah. some of the best players in the world. Um, and you can sit here and reel off the players that they've developed over the last 10 years. Um, so I think Ajax is always going to be a difficult game. Uh, and as I said, Michelin is the only team that we really don't know all that much about. But just like we've said about the Villa game just before, they're going to come in against the likes of Liverpool. They've got nothing to lose. If they get a point out of that game, if they manage to get a draw against Liverpool, that's amazing. Their results of the season. Yeah. So they're going to they're gonna play like their lives depend on that game. Um so I don't think there's no easy game in that. Yes, we are expected to win. Yes, on stats we should win. But is it going to be as easy as what people think it is? No, no, I don't think it is. If it was that easy, you wouldn't play the matches, would you? And this is the beauty of football, and this is why, you know, you've got two guys sitting here chatting a lot about football passionately because at the end of the day, we love our sport. People listening to this have to be massive enthusiasts of football. 
and we all love the sport because there's no gimmick. If it was if it was as simple as right, okay, Liverpool win that group, then you almost wouldn't watch it because it's. Well, I think we would because it'd be great to see Liverpool <laughs> win the group. But it, it's football, and, and anything can happen. And as I say, there's been many, 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 many disappointing nights and results over you know our, the last twenty years watching Liverpool Football Club in Europe. You know, there's been plenty of highs, plenty, plenty of highs, but for every high, there's been disappointments as well. So um, let's hope. Let's hope that. You know, without the crowd, we can still you know put a show on. And, and who's to say we can't progress to maybe the last four, the last even the quarter final stages, and then there could be crowds in the stadiums. That would be the dream, wouldn't it, Danny? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what you want is you want the fans to be back. And I think in a lot of these countries, it'll be interesting because the rules are slightly different. So Champions yeah. League will be really interesting because obviously in Spain, in Italy, they are starting to allow fans back into the stadiums. The likes of Italy isn't seen obviously going into more the politics side of things, Italy isn't seen as a quarantine country for us right now. You can travel into Italy and not have to self-isolate when you get there. So is there the potential that we can't have fans in the Premier League, but yet Liverpool can take fans to Atalanta? Is is that going to be an option? That's an interesting one. I'm sure it'll be something that we can discuss about in, um, in the coming weeks. But yeah, I mean, hopefully we can, you know, but then this is the thing with, there's a kind of people listening now will know that in Liverpool and Merseyside there's kind of a mini lockdown, you know. So um, it's a it's a shame with the world that we're living in, but we are living in the world that we're living in. Um, I think by now it would have been nice that we had some kind of you know parade to celebrate winning the Premier League. Um, but I'm sure we will, even if we have to do it in three years' time. I'm sure we will at some stage, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting times, and who knows? But as I say, that'll just add to the. Uh, how hard it'll be at 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 Atalanta because um you know if they've got a crowd behind them that that is the edge you know that that wouldn't be fair if you think of it like this without going into too much detail I know we we're short for time so imagine all those away teams had a, had a crowd but then they come to Anfield and we didn't yeah. that there is an advantage oh yeah so that, that's where maybe they have to say no fans all around because it's you know it's 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 fair but then if you're an Atalanta fan or even a Liverpool fan thinking now actually the whole point of football is getting fans in the stadium. So that's an interesting subject. You know, you, you could sit there and go, well, we, we, you, you can't have fans at Atlanta, you can't have fans at Ajax, but you can't in Liverpool. But they've got like a bit of an unfair advantage then. But then you could argue, well, that's the whole point of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's not it's not like um, the Champions League fault that England is having a bad, you know, a bad bout of this pandemic. You know, it's, it, that day, it's going away above my head. But, you know, everyone listening knows the craft. They're kind of thinking, oh God, yeah, this could be a potential that, you know, they could have fans and we couldn't, but that, I don't even want to get into that now because it, it would be a bit of a weird one because I would never like to see football fans not in the stadium. You know, we, we've been there, Danny, we've been to Anfield, we've been to our beloved Anfield watching Liverpool and, you know, there's so, just a buzz about going to match. You know, it's something that you take for granted, you know, that we can't do at the moment. So you wouldn't want to take that away from people. But in saying that, it's definitely up for discussion if, if that's how it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what UEFA do because, as you said, it affects so many levels of things, especially these new teams coming into the Champions League this season as well, playing for the first time. It's massive revenue for them. So if they can, if, if you're going to suddenly say to them, well, no, you can't have your fans come into the stadium, even if it's only two or 3,000 of them, that's still a lot of money that they're missing out on by playing in the Champions League that they were really relying on by getting this far. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, yeah, as you said, it would be a strange reality if we can't have fans at Anfield, but yet we could take away fans to Atalanta or, or to like Ajax and different places like this. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see because it's got to be a uniform rule, but it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, but we're getting a bit of a dose of reality of it because it keeps coming back. We kind of, I, I suppose, like everybody else in the country, you hear the new rules come in, you hear the restrictions, and then after a while, it kind of just becomes normal, and you get into your normal day-to-day routine again, and then it hits you. And as you said, Liverpool are back into some sort of mini-lockdown at the minute, and obviously part of that is maybe triggered, obviously, by the rising cases, but because of the likes of Thiago has, has got it, um, which has obviously been yeah, in the news yeah. this week. What do you... What do you make of that? Obviously, we've just bought him. We're excited about the signing, and then we're probably not going to get to see him play now for at least another two, three, four weeks. It's sad, yeah. yeah. He made 45 minutes. He made an impression, didn't he? Um, so it'll be interesting um, when he comes back. You know, I don't know if the virus affects you in a way where, where you can, 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 can you can you train 
<clears throat> can he has he got a fitness regime at the house or is he literally resting? You know, who's to say how bad he's got it? You know, I've known people with it now, the virus myself, and I've heard some people say it's really tight and you're literally bedridden. As well, I've heard other people say, Oh, they didn't even know they had it and they were they would they could still be doing stuff. So I don't know. I know a boy who was playing football with it uh, last week. So I don't know how strict the, the, the quarantine is for Tiago and, and how much it's affecting him, but Let's look worst case scenario. It could just be a setback in his in his Liverpool career, you know. It could be what maybe the beginning of December before he's match fit. If this is if, if he recovers and, and he gets games and all that type of stuff. So it, it's a blow. It's a blow. But um, you know, going back three weeks, we didn't even have Thiago. It was just a rumor. So when he does come in, it's only going to be an addition. And uh, yeah, I think I speak for you and myself, Danny, and wish him a speedy recovery and hopefully, um, hopefully this this pandemic that we're living in is just going to going to just subside and we can start getting back to normal as soon as possible because um, people's mental health are being affected by this and uh, as I say, I put myself in that category, I, I, I technically live alone now and uh, you know, people need to get out and about and all I can say is thank God the football's back because um, there's that much football at the moment now, you know, there's always something to watch so I think that's been quite clever by the, the government letting sports continue because Sports are a massive part of people's lives, and particularly football. You know, this is our podcast, and I really do think that um, it gives people that little bit of little bit of like they forget about the reality sometimes. So for a couple of hours, when, when they're listening to football podcasts, watching football and stuff like that. So speedy recovery to Thiago, and um, from a personal point of view, I just hope that everyone stays safe, and um, we can start looking back at the pandemic that was rather than living through it. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. It's going to be interesting to see how that develops over the next few months and what goes on and different restrictions that are put in place. But hopefully he gets back soon uh, and hopefully things do start to ease a little bit. Um, now, as I said, anything that we've said on this podcast, if you want to have your opinion on it, you can write on our Facebook page. Let us know what you think of the Champions League group. Let us know what you think of Aston Villa. Uh, it'd be good to get your feedback. You can write on the Facebook page or you can email us, obviously, at Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road at gmail.com. Uh, and we'll be able to get that there and say about your views uh, on our next podcast. But until then, um, we're going to love yous and leave yous and we do thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road You'll Never Walk Alone Sports Social Podcast Network when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.